Today on Locked On Anaheim Ducks, the Ducks make an extension, Darcy Kemper is amazing, and we figure out what's going on in Toronto and Edmonton during this Stanley Cup qualifier. All of this on today's Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. There's a lot to get to today. It has been crazy. It's been a crazy 48 hours. i just like to say, welcome everyone to Locked On Anaheim Ducks presented by rock auto once again i'm jason hernandez trying to navigate through all this madness so much has gone on so we're just going to get right into it uh quick reminder don't forget to rate comment subscribe you can hear this on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify stitcher follow us on twitter at lo underscore ducks or follow me at snippy jd all right let's get right into it the anaheim ducks make a big splash well not a big splash They've made some big splashes with recent signings. This one, not as big a splash, but big for San Diego fans because that's where some people expect him to play for some reason. Yeah, we are talking about Jacob Larson. He was a a restricted free agent. The Ducks signed him to a two-year contract extension through the 2021-2022 season. It's a two-year $2.4 million contract extension. So that's $1.2 million AAV. So this is another series. This is probably the last in a series of moves during this extended offseason. This is going to be probably the last extension that they make. As of right now, the Anaheim Ducks have three more UFAs they have to deal with. And And these are unsigned UFAs. Matt Irwin, Michael Delzato, and Ryan Miller. I don't think GM Bob Murray is going to re-sign Michael Delzato, to be honest. And I don't know if he's going to re-sign Irwin as well. Ryan Miller, that's the big question mark. It's pretty much going to come down to this. He's either going to re-sign with the Anaheim Ducks or he's going to retire. So that's where the Ducks are at. More on Jacob Larson. Last season, he played in 60 of the 71 games, and he did pretty well last season. He had nine points. So, oh, sorry, two goals and nine assists. So he had 11 points last season. Check that. He also played a handful of games with the San Diego goals last season and did pretty well, but he does well in the AHL. In all his career games with the Anaheim Ducks, He has scored two goals and 14 assists, and that's in 113 career games with the Ducks. As far as the AHL, he's played in 60, sorry, 81 AHL games with the goals, scoring 25 points, four goals, 21 assists. And you may recall, last year in the Calder Cup playoffs, he had seven points. So really, Jacob Larson is a pretty good defenseman, And this is a solid signing for the Ducks. Another relatively low-cost option, kind of not a high risk, and a pretty decent reward. He's only 23 years old. He is still a young defenseman. It it looks like the Ducks do want to make him a part of their future by signing the extension. And all of these are two-year deals. They're one-year, two-year, three-year deals. They are not super long-term deals. That the Ducks are making. But these are good for the players. And frankly. I kind of like all these. Lower cost moves. Because we don't know. 
what the salary cap is going to exactly look like next season and the following season. We don't know how far this COVID-19 impact is going to have for next season and possibly for years to come. So we'll see how this all shakes out in Anaheim. Once again, Larson signed a two-year extension worth $2.4 million. Congrats to Jacob Larson. He will be sticking around in Southern California for a while. And just to go back on the rest of the signings they've made, uh, Brendan Gooley re-signed as one of the players. So I think that there's going to be some competition as far as defense goes. I think it's going to come down to Larson, Brendan Gooley, Josh Mahura, uh, even Yanni Hockenpah. Those guys are going to be vying for one or two of those key defensive slots for the Anaheim Ducks. And it's a, it's a shame that one or two of those guys have to go back down to San Diego. And the only reason some of those guys got playing time in Anaheim in the first place was because of injuries. Don't forget, there's going to be some guys coming back from injury next season. So it's going to be fascinating to see where Coach Dallas Eakins goes. Are they going to go with the young guys? Are they going to go with the veterans more so that are vying for those spots? I guess we'll have to wait and find out in about three months' time. Although the Anaheim Ducks, they are asking the league to extend their training camps since there are seven teams not playing. And those seven teams, they've not played since mid-March. In fact, the Anaheim Ducks, they have not played in five months. Five months now? Yeah, you heard that right. The last game was March 11th. It's August 7th. We're approaching five whole months since the Anaheim Ducks last played. So hopefully they are granted that extra ice time because that would be tremendous for the Ducks. And again, that last signing that I referred to, the Ducks have room to re-sign Ryan Miller for one more season, especially if they're not going to keep Matt Irwin and Delzato around. Look, Ducks, give them one last year. Give him the chance to have that last hurrah. In a sense, a farewell tour. It's the only fair thing. Uh, he and his wife, actress Noreen, De- Noreen DeWolf, they just got a new home in Southern California, and Ryan Miller did show off his new orange goalie pads. So it would make sense that he sticks around in Anaheim. So that is the Ducks news. And I just want to address something before going into the first intermission. I do realize that we still do not have a Locked on Coyotes podcast, but this is still a Ducks podcast first. This is still called Locked on Anaheim Ducks. But because we do not have a representative for the Coyotes, it is partially my job, or it's been asked, to cover the Coyotes for the time being, which is only fair, right? And they are a team in the playoffs, and it gives me something to cover and talk about. So the entire next segment, or most of the second segment, will be talking about the Arizona Coyotes and their somewhat improbable playoff run. They could advance later today. That could happen. So I just want to point that out. So I will be calling it sometimes locked on Anaheim Ducks slash Coyotes because I honestly think we're not going to have that much more Ducks news in the next month or two. So I just want to put that out there right now. Uh, Let's talk about rockauto.com. 
Uh, they are very reliably priced. They have all the parts your car will ever need. Family owned and operated for over 20 years. RockAuto.com has several parts for your car, whether it is a Chevy, Ford, Toyota, what have you. RockAuto.com has your parts, and they are reliably low prices, much lower than those big box stores, and they're the same price for everybody. So, if you want to find the car part that you need, check out rockauto.com first. And on the How Did You Hear About Us box, tell them that Locked On Ducks sent you. Once again, that is rockauto.com. All the parts your car will ever need. And coming up after the first intermission, Darcy Kemper. That guy is amazing, isn't he? And we'll talk about the rest of the Stanley Cup qualifiers after the first intermission. Stay locked in, folks. Welcome back to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And it's about to be Coyotes Talk, as we've been doing for the last couple of weeks. And here we go. Darcy Kemper showed up big time Wednesday against the Nashville Predators in their third game of the Stanley Cup qualifier. So we'll talk about the Coyotes for a few minutes here. Uh, That game three was a very important one because that series was tied one to one. But also most importantly, this was the Arizona Coyotes wearing their Kachina jerseys. Yes, you heard that correctly. The Arizona Coyotes, for all their, quote, home playoff games, end quote, would be wearing their iconic black Kachina jerseys, if you can believe that. They listened to the fans, and that's what they're going to wear for all their home games. So it looks pretty cool as far as the icons, and I got to give the NHL a lot of credit for this. When they showed the Coyotes on the first two games, they used the current logo. But on Wednesday's game, they showed the classic Kachina logo every time they scored a goal, every time they had a power play. It had the green and tan colorways, and it had that classic logo. So credit to the NHL for that. And also credit to the Coyotes for putting out a video that explains why the jerseys are the way they are. They got permission and some input from the local Hopi Indians. And that's how the Kachinas were born all of 20, about 25 years ago now. So fast forward to Wednesday where the Yotes played the Preds and the Kachinas got off to a first goal start. And I'm going to call them the Kachinas on this particular podcast. Christian Dvorak got things going with the first goal with about five minutes into the first to give the Yotes a one nothing lead. But Nashville would come back in the second period. Actually, more in that first period. Yeah, Darcy Kemper saw a ton of shots. In fact, the first shot that UC Saros saw was that goal. For a long time, it was 9-1 shots, 10-1 shots, 11-1 shots. And that one shot that Nashville saw was the goal. So UC Saros looked really bad at the start of the game. Second period, Victor Arvidsson would tie things up to make it 1-1 apiece. Darcy Kemper really held things together in those first two periods. How much so? Well, 
he saw 19 in the first, only five in the second, but one of those was a goal. The third period, Nashville peppered him once again with 16 shots on goal. You heard that right. Darcy Kemper saw 40 shots on goal. That's an unbelievably big number, and he showed up big time. Some of those shots were coming off of rebounds, and as much as Darcy Kemper gave up the rebounds, he got those second saves as well. He was on top of his game for most of the time. So I got to give Darcy Kemper a lot of credit. The defense stepped in front of a lot of shots as well. In fact, as far as block shots go, Arizona had 22 blocked shots. That's a ton of blocks. So Darcy Kemper was seeing a lot of action, but his teammates really helped him out as well. Going into the third period, it was tied 1-1. And someone that I talked about in the past as far as goals podcasts, Connor Garland, the current Coyote, former Tucson Roadrunner, he had one of the filthier goals of the postseason. And as the Arizona Kachinas said, take a shower, Connor, because this was filthy. Okay, so the way I'm going to describe this as such, Arizona got off on a break early on. Uh, Clayton Keller got things going with drawing the puck towards center ice. Then he passed it off to Derek Stepan, who got it from the left side. He had a nice dipsy doodle pass to Connor Garland, who had the puck on a string and did a nice dangle, filthy dangle towards his left And he completely, well, not completely, but he pretty much undressed the two defenders at the time. The two defenders on him were, I think they were Dante Fabro and definitely Matthias Ekholm. Yeah, he had Ekholm faked out of his boots, went around him, and Connor Garland got the goal to put the Yotes ahead 2-1. to That thing was beautiful. But I kind of sighed a little bit, and I pointed this out on Twitter. I've seen him score this kind of goal before, up close during his time in Tucson. In fact, this was when I was downstairs for a game, and this was when they were playing the Ontario Reign at Toyota Arena. Connor Garland made almost that same type of goal, and I remember seeing that goal on TV going, Damn, I've seen this. I've seen him do this. Here we go again. So... While it was filthy, it didn't completely take me by surprise. And at that point, that was the biggest goal of his career. So the Kachinas had the lead with about 10 minutes left. And then with four and a half minutes to go, Taylor Hall got a power play goal. The assist went to Oliver Ekman Larson and the ageless Phil Kessel. So Taylor Hall with the power play net to make that 3-1. to one. And with a minute and 50 left, Carl Soderberg got an unassisted goal just around the time when UC Saros was about to head back to the bench. But Soderberg got that goal, and that made it a 4-1 final score. So the Coyotes lead the series two games to one, and they are one victory away from advancing to the first round. Wow. The 11th seed, Arizona Coyotes. The Kachinas did a fantastic job. And a lot of this is on Darcy Kemper, who stood on top of his head 
the Ontario Reign legend really pulled through with 39 saves. He saw 40 shots. He got almost all of them. And as I mentioned before, the Coyotes had 22 blocks. So just shots on goal and blocks alone, that's 62 right there. Compared to the 46 that UC Saro saw, he saw 28 shots on goal and 18 blocks. So really, I got to give credit to the defense of the Kachinas. They were the ones that pulled through big time. And that goes for every single defender that got at least one block. And we're going to talk about all six of them. I mean, they were just fan-freaking-tastic. Jordan Osterley had three blocks. Jason Demers had two blocks. And Alex Goligoski, he also had two blocks. So the whole defense barred down the players of the game. So that was the Yotes and Darcy Kemper. So they're going to play again on Friday. We'll get to that momentarily. But first, I want to talk about the other qualifying series. And these were some very good ones. So I just want to point out a couple of those games. First, we'll go over Wednesday's scores. The Florida Panthers defeated the Islanders 3-2 to keep their playoff hopes alive. They also have a game four coming up on Friday. Uh, Round robin action. The Lightning beat the Bruins 3-2. Boy, Boston is looking bad. And the Colorado Avs demolished the Dallas Stars 4-0. That one was not close either. As far as other action on Wednesday, the game of the night to me... Well, there was two games of the night. The Montreal Canadiens had a great comeback late in the game. The Penguins had a 3-1 lead, but goals from Jonathan Drouin made it 3-2. And then Paul Byron tied the game. And then the game-winning goal, a filthy shot that found the top corner right off of Matt Murray's shoulder, Jeff Petrie from a bad angle, scored the game-winning goal to give the Canadians a 4-3 victory and a 2-1 series lead. And by the way, they were not the only 12th seed to have a great final goal. The 12th seed Chicago Blackhawks, if you can believe it, they defeated the 5 seed Edmonton Oilers by the same score of 4-3, and they also lead their best of 5 series two games to one. And that was also a bit of a comeback. Uh, Connor McDavid had a goal with seven and a half seconds left in the second period to, at the time, give the Oilers a 3-2 lead. But Chicago came storming back towards the end. Matthew Highmore got a goal late, and Jonathan Taze got his fourth goal of the playoffs with only a minute 16 left, and that late tally would give Chicago the victory on that one. And just to quickly go over some Thursday night action, uh, the Vancouver Canucks defeated the Wild. They shut them out 3 nothing. Round robin action. Philadelphia beat the Washington Capitals 3-1. to Wow. Uh, the Golden Knights, they were all over the St. Louis Blues 6-4 in that one. And two more games to get to as far as Thursday night action goes. It was the Columbus Blue Jackets having an unbelievable comeback against the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Maple Leafs had a 3-0 lead. It was 3-0 
and then some guy named Pierre-Luc Dubois struck big time. He scored his first goal of the game with about eight and a half minutes left to make it three to one. Then the third period started. Seth Jones, he scored with a nice wrister to make it three to two. And then Pierre-Luc Dubois struck again with kind of a nice wrist shot to make it a 3-3 tie. That went into overtime. So Toronto's a little shell-shocked. And that third period was thrilling. The overtime was even better because there was some very close opportunities on both sides. But with a minute 26 left, Alexander Texier had a perfect pass to Pierre-Luc Dubois who was streaking down the right side and he backhanded it right into the goal to give the Blue Jackets an improbable 4-3 victory against the Maple Leafs. And now the favored Toronto Maple Leafs are one loss away from being eliminated themselves. Another underdog story. And the final game of the night, this one went final and this series is final. The Calgary Flames shut out the depleted injured Winnipeg Jets 4-0 to give the Flames a 3-1 series victory. So far, only two teams have advanced. That would be the Carolina Hurricanes and the Calgary Flames. Now, let's get into the round robin standings and the final four games of the round robins. Let's start off in the Eastern Conference. The Tampa Bay Lightning and the Philadelphia Flyers have each won two games. They have four points. The Washington Capitals have one point, and the Boston Bruins have zero. So the best the Boston Bruins can do is be a number three seed despite winning the President's Trophy or the President's Cup. Wow, can you believe that? The Boston Bruins had the most points in the regular season, and they're not even going to be a number one seed. Amazing. But they've looked pretty bad on these round-robin games. They've looked pretty awful, to be honest. There are two more round-robin games in the Eastern Conference. The Philadelphia Flyers versus the Lightning on Saturday. Time to be determined. Whoever wins that game will be the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, either Tampa Bay or Philadelphia. And then on Sunday, the Boston Bruins face the Washington Capitals. And whoever wins that game will be the number three seed. The loser would be the number four seed. Wow. So we still have some seedings to, I guess, figure out. As far as the Western Conference, here are the seedings for now. The Colorado Avs have four points. The Vegas Golden Knights have four points. The Blues have zero. The Stars have zero. By the way, Vegas plays Colorado on Saturday. So both Saturday round-robin games will determine the number one seed in both the Eastern Conference and Western Conference. So whoever wins Saturday's game between Vegas and Colorado, they will be the number one seed, and the loser will be the number two seed. Then on Sunday, Dallas Stars take on the St. Louis Blues. The winner of that game will be the number three seed, and the loser will be the number four seed. So that is the round-robin schedule and the round-robin standings. Let's get to the qualifying games on Friday. This, my friends, is a doozy of a schedule starting this morning. And I'm going to put all these times at Pacific time. So this is Friday, August 7th. These are all game fours. 
at 9 a.m., the New York Islanders try to defeat the Florida Panthers in this best-of-five series. That's at 9 a.m. The Islanders lead that series two games to one. At 11.30, the Arizona Kachinas will try to put out the Nashville Predators. Arizona leads that series two games to one. Once again, that's an 11.30 a.m. Pacific start time. That will be on NHL Network. So let's see if the Kachinas can finish off the job. At 1 p.m., the Montreal Canadiens could eliminate the Pittsburgh Penguins. The number 12 seed could take out a number 5 seed. How about that? That game, once again, 1 p.m. And 3.45, another 12 seed could take out a 5 seed. The Chicago Blackhawks face the Edmonton Oilers. That game will be on NBCSN. Then 5 o'clock on NHL Network. The Columbus Blue Jackets could eliminate the favored Toronto Maple Leafs. Once again, 5 p.m. NHL Network. And then 7.45, the nightcap. The sixth elimination game. The Minnesota Wilds and the Vancouver Canucks. Vancouver is looking to eliminate Minnesota. So, six elimination games in one day. You got to think, this has never happened before, right? Wrong. Okay, this has happened once before. The last time the NHL had six elimination games on a single day, you got to go all the way back to April 12th, 1988. There were six teams trailing their division semifinals three games to one. And all six of them had teams that were trying to stave off elimination. And we're going to go back really quick to that April 12th, 1988. Here were those games. The Calgary Flames and the LA Kings. The LA Kings were looking to survive. They ended up losing. Uh, Calgary eliminated the Kings 6-4. The Winnipeg Jets were also trying to stay alive, but they lost at the hand of the Edmonton Oilers 6-2. The Chicago Blackhawks in 1988. They were trying to stay alive, but they just could not beat the St. Louis Blues 5-3. And something special about that game Brett Hull scored two goals that game to give him six goals in five games. So that would be the St. Louis Blues defeating the Chicago Blackhawks. Then there were three other games. The Toronto Maple Leafs were behind and stayed alive to beat the Detroit Red Wings in overtime 6-5. The Hartford Whalers, trying to stave off elimination, did just that, beating the Montreal Canadiens 3-1. And finally... The Washington Capitals stayed alive by beating the Philadelphia Flyers 5-2. And those were all elimination games that took place on April 12th, 1988. The last time we had six elimination games in one day. Folks, this is just as good, if not better. So make sure you are tuned in for that. Saturday's schedule is to be determined, and so is Sunday's schedule that all literally depends on today's games. So if you want some excellent hockey action, I recommend stopping what you're doing, take a nap, and try to watch as many games as possible if you're not working. Or, you know what, if you're working, take an early day. Take the day off. Have a long lunch. Watch some excellent hockey action. 
And I'll be tweeting about all of those games on my personal Twitter, which is at StimpyJD. And I'll have a couple of nuggets on the LO underscore Ducks Twitter as well. So be on the lookout for that. So that is the Friday schedule. Uh, A couple other odds and ends. The NHL Draft Lottery Phase 2. That's going to take place Monday, August 10th at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. So check that out. Watch out for that. And also, something to keep in mind. The first round start is either going to be Tuesday or Wednesday. That's going to be Tuesday, August 11th or Wednesday, August 12th. So be sure to stay tuned to this podcast. And we're going to try to keep everybody up to date as far as the upcoming rounds of playoff action. And finally, as far as the show schedule, we're going to have four shows next week as well. We will have a show on Monday reviewing everything that has happened as far as Friday's games, Saturday's games, Sunday's games, and also give you all the details about who is playing who in the official first round of the NHL playoffs. So that will take place on Monday. Tuesday, we do plan on having a show where we will review the schedule for the upcoming playoff games and also break down who exactly won the draft lottery phase two. And once again, eight losing teams are going to be vying for that number one draft pick. So be on the lookout for that. That was a lot of information for one show. And I think that is everything on my list that I wanted to talk about. So once again, show schedule next week, Monday and Tuesday, at least we'll at least have a Friday show. So next week we'll either have Thursday off once again, or we'll have Wednesday off. I don't know yet. I haven't decided. We'll see what happens next week. Uh, Once again, thank you all so much for listening. I very much appreciate all of you listening out there and make sure to rate, comment and subscribe if you have not already and be sure to rate on Apple Podcast. Really appreciate everybody that has dropped a five-star rating in the past. So thank you all once again for that. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at StimpyJD. Or follow the Locked on Ducks Twitter at LO underscore Ducks. And once again, be kind to everyone. And just stay safe out there, all right, Ducks fans? For Locked On Anaheim Ducks, I'm Jason J.D. Hernandez saying have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy all the playoff hockey and Ducks fly together. Quack, quack, quack. Have a good weekend, everyone.